welcome back. We've got Leila Shireen Sa'ar here on Status, uh, Al-Wada, uh, once again on another episode of Quick Thoughts. Welcome, Leila. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Adel. Uh, so once again, we turn to you as the uh, our all-purpose, all-function uh, <laughs> social media guru uh, to help explain to us the cataclysms, <laughs> disasters of the world <laughs> and what what's unfolding online. Uh, so we've got, I mean, really, even though it's a Quick Thoughts, we really have a lot to cover. Uh, mm-hmm. because there's really so much commotion going on. So I'm going to throw it at you and basically ask you, like, what, what is happening in the social media uh, in and on the Middle East or, or just in general? Like, what, what are some of the things that you're watching or following these days? Um, well, I, I would start by saying that I don't know if it's an all-network. <laughs> there's no all-knowing or all-anything uh, when it comes anything. to the network. Yeah or what we're looking at online. Uh, One thing that I've noticed uh, increase, especially over the last 18 months or so, is what I'm calling the unnetworked sphere. So, you know, usually we've been talking about the networked sphere. And um, that is often what, you know, we see online. There's the social media network sphere, but there are other different network spheres online. And what we've noticed more and more, uh, many scholars have talked about these echo chambers, and we're seeing people on different sides of any um, platform further and further divided where usually there are interlocutors so there'll be somebody who will you know talk on, uh, about both issues or be present in both issues we're finding more and more that these interlocutors are disappearing and that um, people don't have any sense of what's going on outside of their own um, um, political position and I think that has to do partly with uh, the fact that people are getting a lot of their media through social media that operates in these trending uh, you know ways your wall is fed by your likes um, and by all of these uh, uh, ways that Facebook determines your profile and all of the things that you have participated in and over the years on your Facebook profile so accordingly you get you get um, fed the news that you would be interested in mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff you don't like, you're not going to see. So anyhow, so we're seeing more and more of the unnetworked sphere. And I wonder uh, how much of that uh, reality has affected the polling across the world. Um, there's been a lot of commentary since uh, Tuesday about the U.S. elections and how did the media miss that, miss this? How did all those, how come all the polls were wrong and all the predictions that favored Hillary were so off, right? So there's been a lot of criticism about that. And I wonder if, you know, this growing unnetworked sphere is part of it. Um, so that's one thing, you know, I, I would say that's, that's really remarkable. So when it comes to an issue like Yemen, for example, what I'm, one of the trends that I've noticed in the last 30 days, and I usually do these analyses uh, on our, with Archive every 30 days or so, um, is that we saw that Yemen became a trending topic or a trending hashtag in English. Uh, and, um, and what that means is that it's an, trending is, like a, is, is calculated the way acceleration is calculated. How fast, over, you know, over time, how fast, how many frequencies are we seeing, occurrences are we seeing of Yemen? So we noticed that it was accelerating quite a bit. However, it was still eclipsed by the number of tweets on Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia is just so much bigger 
um, not uh, has a so much bigger presence online, not just bigger in terms of a country, in terms of economy, or in terms of population or geography. I'm talking about online presence. Saudi Arabia has a bigger online presence. It's created that, and, and we could go into more analysis about why that is. Um, so it was really interesting to me to see Yemen uh, trending, but Still, we, you know, if, if you didn't have Yemen in your feed, you would not necessarily realize that there was something going on in Yemen and that people were talk more people were talking about it. So those are two things that I would, um, really I've noticed about the Middle East specifically. Yeah, that's what those things that have been highlighted. And when I talk about the unnetworked sphere, I really noticed that on issues, uh, refugees, um, and Libya, as well as Syria. I also noticed a bigger conversation going on about Iraq in general, uh, and Mosul, you know, at the uh, at the head. Although I really, what I did this last time when I was analyzing Arshif, I, 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 I looked at hashtags that represented the countries um, in, the, uh, in the Middle East. So I could have used other hashtags, and that might have that would have given me different results. So Leila, you mentioned that there was a little bit of a or a trend for um, on Yemen uh, specifically, which we're not accustomed to. Um, mm -hmm. Would you would you happen to know what it is about uh, Yemen that may have been trending around that time? Uh, yeah, well, this you know we we did the trend for the last thirty days, so it was um, around October eighth. Uh, when it was trending, and at that time, there was a Saudi aerial bombing of a funeral in Sana'a that killed 140 people and injured, I think, over 500. So basically, you know, Yemen trends when uh, something that happens in the country makes it into the mainstream media and circulates right. widely. Other than that, Yemen is typically off the radar. Is that right? Right. Right. And what's, what's ironic about this is that even though Yemen was trending, which means it was, you know, really, we've never seen quite a few tweets um on Yemen in English at the time. The irony is that it was it was still the the, the presence on the, the discussion about Saudi Arabia that eclipsed. Mm. Yeah. And the and it was and the issue, you know, and the tweets were about a, a Saudi aerial bombing. Um, so there's there's another thing that's on everyone's minds and uh, has been sort of you know stealing the he the headlines across the world. Uh, a few days ago, Donald Trump was elected president elect of the United States. Right. Um, and you've been following, you've been following this, uh, you've been following the candidates and the elections uh, online as well. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of your thoughts or some of the things that you may have seen in the run up to the election? Well, it's really interesting. It's something I actually want to go back and doc and, and work through a little bit more carefully this methodology. But about a week before the election, I decided to do um, a rigorous, uh, well, I don't know, a, a, a and analyze, you know, analyze the uh, all the conversation on Trump and on Hillary um, that I had in, uh, on on Twitter specifically. So it really was about it was the last ten days of October. I did the analysis on the first of November, and what I did was, um, you know, I'm aware that there's this unnetworked sphere. I keep seeing it in on all these different platforms on issues around guns, on around issue around, issues around immigration. Um, I see them in the Middle East. I see them everywhere. And so I was concerned about trying to do this analysis in a way that I'm not missing an entire void, you know, entire group of uh, of people in another conversation. So I I simply took um, tweets that had that I had across all these data sets that had nothing to do with each other, like data sets about the Cubs, data sets about 
um, uh, about mother, about family issues, about children, about immigration, about sports. And I did a frequency count count of how many times the number uh, 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 Trump was found and a frequency count of how many number of times we saw the name Hillary or the name Clinton. So I tried different ones. I said, you know, Trump or Donald J. Trump, uh, Hillary or Hillary Clinton or HRC. And so I had a couple different variations of both of their names, the same number um, and the same. So if I had HRC, we had DT. Um, if we had Donald Trump, we had Hillary Clinton. If we had Donald J. Trump, we had Hillary Rodden Clinton, kind of like that, so that it was a fair comparison. And then I did a number count. And what I what I found out was that more than half of the conversation more than half of the conversation was about Donald Trump than about Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. It wasn't close. He more than doubled the the number of times his name name was mentioned. Now that could have been bad media too. It's not necessarily that they're saying his name so they're like glorifying him. This could have been a lot of the ridicule and a lot of the um, criticism of Trump as well. Yet he still did, and that had reminded me of. Um, it had reminded me of the Egyptian election in 2012 when Morsi was elected. It was a similar kind of thing that happened. Interesting. Where all of a sudden, like you don't think this is going to happen, but you're like everyone's talking about it. Like even if it's even if you're were you know even if it was negative i did not do that analysis i did not do a sentiment analysis so then i was nervous you know i thought oh my god well i really don't like these results <laughs> let me see if i can if there's an error you know let me see if i can figure it so i started taking that set of data and i i mapped it across different geographies so i would try to map it across different user groups um across the country based on what were obviously red states versus blue states so i would like look at like California and I would compare that with Texas and sort of put those two together and see if I would find something else, something different. And, and with every mapping I did of different data sets to see where there might be, you know, corollaries or differences, I got the same result. Mm -hmm. And I, I got really nervous. So at the end of that, and I did it, you know, I did about 10 different graphs and they all came up the same. And, uh, you know, I mean, these are just, I'm just counting the number of times that they mentioned his name. That's all I was doing, but I was doing it thoroughly throughout all in these, all these various ways and coming up with the same number. That's a pattern. That's pattern recognition. <laughs> so I thought, okay. Um, but now for me to make the argument requires a lot more work and I, I didn't even want to put it out there. I didn't want to believe that he was going to win, to be honest with you. Um, so that, that has really set me uh, spinning a little bit. Um, and I know that in the sense that I'm not sure what to make of it, right? I, I really, you know, I don't know what to make of it yet. I want to think about this a little bit more. I think, I think it, this is a moment where we need to stop and study what has happened. Um, Absolutely. Now, why, you know, what, yeah, we, people, the American people elected John, Donald J. Trump. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's a moment to stop and study and I, I really don't know where to go from there, but, but, the, and so I want to sort of think through this methodology, you know, what, why did this, um, analysis come to the conclusion that Donald Trump was going to win and other media polling analyses did not. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to do that comparison and to see if we can understand how the methodologies can learn from each other and complement each other. 
uh, that's really sort of the blind spot. We're very much looking forward to what what this research bring, brings forth. Uh, we realize how incredibly important and critical it is uh, to really figure these things out uh, moving forward in the future as far as political campaigns and, and who does what and, and how one reaches out to a populace and what tools to use. So this is really, really important research and we look forward to hearing about it in the future. Uh, and talking about the future, um, you are uh, both, in addition to being a professor uh, of film and media studies at the University of California, Santa Barbara, uh, you are also uh, the the uh, the person behind Archive. So, wanted to know what's new with Archive and where things are going, and uh, mm. if there's anything that we should be looking forward to. Uh, yeah, well, the, I got some exciting news about Archive. Um, I guess uh, we're making some changes. Um, and we would love input, a, a system, it's a new cloud computing system, much like Amazon Turk, for those of you who uh, are familiar, it's called Eucalyptus, you can look it up, it's on Wikipedia, and it's basically really, really, really fast, and so we're going to be able to process a lot more data than we've ever been able to do before, ever. We have, a, um, uh, the resources are wonderful, I'm also, um, Using it in a graduate seminar, I'm teaching with a uh, professor of computer science, Amra Abedi. Um, the course is called Algorithms and Culture. Mm -hmm. And we will be thinking through the algorithm as a cultural object and we'll also be using our sheaf um, and sort of doing some analytics on it and thinking through this new platform and um, thinking about how we can. Um, I think we we're really at a crossroads where I want to think about new methodologies and new analytics that Archive could produce in the age of, a, of authoritarian and surveillance states that we're seeing emerge everywhere. So the type of analytics that Archive has produced before, I don't know, will serve um, um, people as, as, as they did before. So it's a time to think about new strategies and new tactics and study what we did in the past. I'm hoping that through the class and, and hopefully with engagement with anybody, you know, please reach out. I'm, I'd love to hear ideas about this. Um, we're not rushing forward, but um, by the end of this year, our chief will be on a new system. Um, and then slowly we will be building new software applications to continue with our uh, emancipatory ethos and global concerns of social justice. That sounds terrific. Emancipatory ethos sounds great, especially when coupled with technology, because right now we have a regression in that department. So uh, so that's that's really fabulous. Thank you so much, Leila, for your time. Looking forward to more exciting things from uh, from Archif. And um, as always, our conversations are ever so rich and, and so important. So thank and you for your time. Thank you. I will see you in Rio next month. Hopefully, yes. Thank you, <laughs> right. you Leila.